Hi everyone, uh, my name's Avery. Thank you for tuning in to The Strategic Student. So, for strategy, today I thought we could talk about some productivity techniques. So, the ones that I want to talk about because I think they're very useful, very applicable, and you know, even if you're not a student, you can probably use these um, in your life. They're, I mean, they're really just general kind of uh, work habits, and if you're just trying to get more done in less time and work on the right things, they're probably useful for you. So today we're gonna to talk about the Ivy Lee method, the Eisenhower matrix, and Warren Buffett's 25 um, and five rule, I guess if you wanna call it a rule. So let's get right into it. The Ivy Lee method. So what's the Ivy Lee method? Basically, um, Ivy Lee was a business consultant, and back in 1918, Charles Schwab, and uh, Charles Schwab, he's like kind of a big deal. He was a really big name in the steel industry. He made a lot of money back in the day. Anyways, he was like, you know what? I don't have enough money, so what I'm gonna do, he didn't say that, but I mean, basically he did because he was like, I need to bring in somebody to give me advice about how my company can be more productive. So he brought in Mr. Ivy Lee, and Mr. Ivy Lee got some time with uh, each of the employees at Charles Schwab's company, and he gave them advice. And then Charles Schwab said, "Okay, how much? Uh, how much do I owe you?" And Ivy Lee said, "And don't worry, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what the advice was." He says, "Come back to me in three months, and you can give me however much money you think this was worth, like how valuable my advice was, right?" Okay, so he waits three months comes back and guess how much money Charles Schwab gives Ivy Lee. And this was him voluntarily giving it to Ivy Lee. And remember, Charles Schwab is a big, um, he's a capitalist, he's a businessman. So for him to give away his money, if he, if he gives away any money, it means Ivy Lee said something valuable. So Charles Schwab gives away, um, gives Ivy $25,000, which that was 1918. So today, 2021, that's around 400, and $40,000, so almost half a million dollars. And he just, he gives that away because he's like, that's how valuable this advice was. Okay, I know I've given a little bit, a little bit um, of a dramatic uh, intro there, hopefully. Um, so what was the advice? Here was the advice. So Ivy Lee, he sat down with each employee and he said, before you leave work, at the end of your workday, I want you to write a list with six things. And these six things are your six most important tasks, uh, ranked from most important, number one, to least important, number six, and the most important things you have to do tomorrow. Okay, easy enough, six, six things. And here is the key part. When you come into work tomorrow, you're gonna work on that list and you can't go to the next number until you're done the thing before. So if number one was uh, finish uh, the project for Phil, and then number two was uh, work on the project for Johnny. I'm not really sure why those are the examples I'm giving. But anyways, you can't work on Johnny's project until you're done Phil's project, right? So that's the key. There's no multitasking one at a time. And if at the end of the day, you're not done all six things, you move them onto your list for the next day, right? They carry over. So this technique obviously was very effective, given that Charles Schwab parted with half a million dollars worth of money in 1918. And so, it, you know, it's kind of funny because obviously this advice does seem a little bit simplistic. It's essentially a to-do list um, 
But Ivy Lee's genius was that it's six things and that you have to do them in order. And obviously there's nothing special about six. You could, you could do the same thing with five, with seven, with four, with three, whatever. But the real benefit from this technique comes from the fact that it forces you to focus on less and prioritize and not multitask. So there's two things going on here. One is that when we're working on too many things, first of all, not everything is important. And even if everything actually technically was important, some things are gonna be more important than others. And the more things we're working on, the less likely we are to remember what's the most important. But if you can only put down six things on your list, you're really gonna make sure you hit the important things. Whereas if you're working on a hundred things at once, you might end up neglecting the most important thing because you're working on other things. And also, if you're working on a ton of different things at once, you can sometimes, you know, fool yourself and say, I'd rather work on, you know, my email than on the important project. And if both are on your list, you still feel productive when you've done your email, but you haven't actually done the important thing. So Ivy Lee's method, it makes you really look like look your own productivity in the face and write down what are the most important things. There's no no fooling around. Um, if you write down six nonsense things to work on, I mean, that's on you, but I mean, m most of us aren't going to do that. And by really forcing yourself to prioritize, you're already halfway there. Now, the next part of Ivy Lee's technique, why it's really effective, is the fact that you have to work on the things in order and you can't skip ahead to the next thing. And I think really that's the most effective part of what Ivy Lee's method and unfortunately, it's also the hardest part to do because Ivy Lee's method, it's effective. And I think most of us, if you're listening to this right now, you probably already know that. But the thing is, what's hard is actually putting it in practice, right? It's easy to say, okay, just work on your, work on whatever you have to do and work on the most important thing first, eat the frog first. But it's much harder to actually do that in practice. But if you do write it down, you commit it to paper you're more likely to follow through with that than if you just have a vague idea in your mind of like, oh, I should work on this first. And working on things in order of, order of importance, it's important not only because you're working on the most important things first, but also because every time you switch tasks, you lose some of your momentum, uh, you lose focus. You know, people say they're good at like multitasking, but the fact is that we're all trash at multitasking. You know, studies show this, we just, we don't do a good job. And so we need to stop. And I get it because especially if you're working on something that's difficult or challenging or kind of boring, you might want to take a little break and work on something else. But if you're really tired and you, you know, you need a break, you're better off taking an actual break and going for a walk, like calling up, you know, your friend Janet, um, having a little smoothie because that will actually rejuvenate you. Whereas if your break, I'm using quotation marks because you can't see me, um, consists of you working on a lesser important project, one, you're not gonna really get anything that useful done because the project wasn't important, but two, you're not gonna feel refreshed either because your break wasn't a real break. So Ivy Lee's method, it's harsh, but it forces you to focus and to, it doesn't allow you to slack off by working on different things. So that's Ivy Lee's method. It's it's a it's a popular method. If you dabble in the self help realm, which um, I have, 
it you'll you'll see it come up. It's it's a favorite among productivity gurus. Okay, that's the Ivy Lee method. So the next thing I would like to talk about is the Eisenhower matrix. Now I'm making a cross right now, and so try and visualize that. And or you can just visualize a square that's cut into four uh, four squares, so four quadrants. Okay. Now on the y-axis we have urgent and on the urgency and on the x-axis we have importance and actually it doesn't really matter which um which axis which one is on okay so that means that you have four different boxes and these boxes are urgent and important urgent but not important not urgent but important and not urgent and not important. So if you if you forgot what I just said, don't worry. The key is there's two things we wanna think about when we get a task. Is it urgent? So like, do we need to do this right now? Like, is it due tomorrow? Is it an emergency or is it like a long-term goal, right? And also how important is it, right? Um, does it really matter if we, you know, go get ourselves a granola bar right now? Okay, that probably wouldn't be a task, but Maybe it is, maybe you wrote down that task. Is that that important? Maybe not, but is it important that you get in the, you know, ev evidence to the judge before the trial starts tomorrow? This, I guess, is assuming you're a lawyer. Yes, right? Okay, so the key is, obviously, if something is urgent, is not urgent and not important, you shouldn't be doing it, right? So the, the idea is your all your tasks, they fall into one of these four quadrants. And what you want to do is you want to sort things into one of the four quadrants and then that will dictate what you work on. Okay, so like I said, if something's not urgent and not important, obviously you should just forget about it. And you know, that's kind of obvious, we all get that. So what's something that's um, not urgent and not important? That would be, for example, um, maybe somebody from HR is emailing you about the company Christmas party that's happening eight months from now. Obviously that's not urgent. And um, let's imagine that you're very anti-Christmas and so it's not, <laughs> some, anyway, yeah, that's a little, who's anti-Christmas? Anyways, but you are. And so that's not important for you either. Okay, perfect example. Okay, here's the next one. What about things that are urgent but not important? Now this is key because a lot of people spend a lot of time on these tasks and it's really easy to get sucked up into them. So the Eisenhower matrix, there's a few benefits to it, but one of the main things is it makes you realize when you're working on something that's urgent, but not important. So the best example of this is email. People will send you emails all the time. The email seems urgent. Like the person might say, I need to know right now, but you might know that this is the 10th email you've gotten from that person today and everything they're saying is kind of nonsense, right? Now, this can be tough to navigate because something could be technically not important, like not important for your own work, but the other person cares about it. And so if you do blow them off, there are repercussions, right? For your work relationship, for, you know, the everybody getting along in the office, you know, so, in a sense, it could be important in that way. So you do need to judge that yourself. But 
say you're getting a, a, an email from somebody, it says it's urgent, you don't even know this person, you don't really care about them. That, that's the other kind of thing you should throw out. So technically anything that is not important, you shouldn't be doing it. If it's urgent and not important, you shouldn't be doing it. Not urgent, not important, obviously not. But the urgent and not important are hard to not do because you're getting social pressure usually if it's urgent. So that's a tough thing. And maybe we'll talk about this in a different episode about ways to kind of get rid of time sucks. Um, things on your time that aren't helpful, but that people keep demanding. Um, aside from email, a really big one is meetings. Meetings are usually not helpful for most people. Sometimes they are, but at the same time, you're kind of required to go to them. It depends, um, you know, I guess what your job is, but for students, this might be lecture. Maybe the lecture is not useful for you, but you need to be there. Maybe there's attendance, right? Um, so things that are kind of socially urgent, but they're not really important, you want to minimize them. Okay. Now, what about things that are important and urgent? Obviously you do those. I mean, you know, that's, that goes without saying it's a big report that's due tomorrow, you know, do it. And the other thing, so that's obvious. Um, the Eisenhower matrix, it really has, I think two benefits. One, it helps you identify the urgent, but not important things like the email, which we talked about. And the second, which I'm going to talk about now is it helps you prioritize things that are not urgent, but important. So unlike things that are urgent and important, which we automatically do because the urgency gets us into gear and then we know it's important, things that are important but not urgent, it's really easy to let them slide because there's no deadline and a lot of people need deadlines to get things done. Um, maybe that's you, maybe that's not you. If it's not you and you're somebody who starts projects like way in advance and you finish your paper way before the semester is due and you are exercising now at 20 so that you're healthy when you're 70, then you're already killing it. So don't even, don't even just skip ahead of this. But if not, um, most of us are not like that, right? And there's a lot of things where today it's not it's, it's not important any one day, but in the long run, it's going to be important. So health is one of the best examples. Obviously, like exercising today is not urgent, but taking care of our health in the long run is very important. Same with saving money. So if you buy a Frappuccino today, that's not, it's, it's not urgent that you save that $1 today. But if you save, actually, I guess it's like $5 for a Frappuccino. But if you save that $5, every day for five years, that'll be really important. You know what I mean? So these are really like long-term habits. And in the context of work or school, it would mean starting to study for tests that are down the line or starting projects early or with work starting projects early. And the advantage to this is that you'll probably end up doing a better job a lot of people think that they work best under pressure and they give they do their best work under pressure. I was using quotation marks there. Um, they've done studies and generally people don't. People think they do their best work, but they don't. I mean, they do a good job given the time constraints, but most of the time people are kind of deceiving themselves when they say that. Uh, really, most of the time people put off things because there is an underlying stress about or anxiety about what they're working on, they either don't know how to start, or they're afraid of doing a bad job. Um, you know, there's a lot of reasons, and maybe we'll talk about that some other time. 
And that, those are totally valid. But at the end of the day, you're going to have more stress if you put it off to the last minute and you're going to do a worse job. If you start off earlier, you're going to end up doing a better job. And you'll probably also actually end up taking less time because if you space something out, you can work in smaller chunks of focused time instead of spending like 48 hours all at once. Um, clearly, the longer you work, the more your productivity levels plummet and your energy plummets, right? But imagine if you worked for one hour on a project every day for eight weeks, and during that one hour, you're focused, you're giving it 100%, you're going to get a lot done, right? And the time adds up. But if you just worked, um, I guess I said eight weeks, so eight weeks, eight times seven, 56 hours in a row, by hour, I don't know, hour 18, your work would be quite, it'd be poor quality, right? Because um, after a certain point, you just can't maintain that high level. So the point of that was that those tasks that are important, but they are not urgent, you're going to save yourself time by starting them early. And it's hard to see that now because we're so used to just reacting, reacting to whatever a deadline is. But if you're proactive, you'll save yourself time, you'll be less stressed, and you'll get more done. So that's the Eisenhower matrix. Um, you sort things into one of the four categories. Um, the key is to stop paying so much attention to things that are urgent but not important and to pay more attention to things that are not urgent but important. Okay, so the last thing I want to talk about is Warren Buffett's 25 and 5 rule. So let me tell you the little story that goes along with it. So Warren Buffett said to somebody, um, I think it was one of his like students or something, I want you to write down a list of your top 25 career goals. And I, if you're thinking right now, somebody has 25 career goals, that's kind of crazy. I was thinking that too. I mean, I have 25 goals in life, but 25 career goals, I mean, that's kind of, how do you even know what you're going to be doing in the future? Anyways, they write down 20, he writes down 25 career goals. Um, and then Warren Buffett says, okay, now I want you to circle the top five from that list, the top five most important, right? Okay. He, he spends some time, he thinks about it. He picks his top five. And now Warren Buffett says, okay, so like what, what, what is going to be your strategy for working on these goals? And the guy says, which most of us probably, you know, this is probably what we would say, like, I'm going to spend most of my time working on the five most important goals, but um, in my spare time, I'll work on the other 20 goals if I have a little bit of spare time, which sounds pretty reasonable, right? Wrong. Warren Buffett says, that's wrong. Your goal for the next, until you finish the top five goals, is to avoid the other 20 goals at all costs. Avoid them. None of this working on them in your spare time, you're avoiding them. You just work on the five goals. Now, I think Warren Buffett, his advice speaks for itself because of just how great Warren Buffett is. But the reason behind this, um, it's actually quite similar to the reasoning behind the Ivy Lee method and kind of the Eisenhower matrix about why it works. This works because, like the Ivy Lee method, it makes you focus on less. And even though the guy originally said he was going to work, uh, he was going to focus on five and then kind of focus on the other 20. The thing is, when you have the other 20 in the back of your mind, that really does sap your focus from five. 
uh, humans can really not focus on that many goals at one time. And we're so much more effective when we focus on less. And at the end of the day, it, it doesn't even really make sense to say, like in your spare time, you're gonna work on the other 20. I mean, why aren't you working on the other five? Um, it's more likely that, you know, he would just kind of work on the five, but then when he kind of gets bored of them, he works on the other 20. And so it's kind of a way to let yourself, let yourself off the hook essentially, right? You don't have to just work on the five. But if you just focus on the five, suddenly everything you're seeing is focused on the five. And what I mean by that is that, okay, do you guys know, you probably know the secret, which is the idea that there's this famous book, if you visualize something, you can manifest it and you'll have it. So if I sit here and I visualize um, get being a millionaire and meeting the love of my life and um, driving a Ferrari, I can, I can make it happen. And a big part of the secret too is that you um, you imagine you already have it and you act like you have it. And a lot of people swear by the secret. And if you, if you don't believe me, just just do a quick Google search. You'll you'll see it's a huge it's a huge fad. And okay, I don't want to be I don't want to be dismissive here because we don't know about anything. But I'd say there's a pretty high chance it, it's not true. But I think it actually does work for people but I don't think it's for the reason that they think. People think it works because there's some kind of like magical mystery going on and the law of attraction as they call it. And there's quantum physics and thoughts have energy and stuff like that. I don't think so, but what I think the secret does is visualization is a very effective technique. Athletes visualize before sports. Studies show us that the same areas of your brain light up when you visualize something as when you do it. They did this one study where some people shot basketball hoops and other people visualized themselves shooting basketball hoops. And then they saw who like improved the most or who was better at shooting hoops. They were about the same. How crazy is that? So just by visualizing, their brains were, were simulating. It was like they were shooting basketball hoops. So my point is that visualizing is very powerful. And when we visualize something, it's on our mind and we're more likely to see it everywhere. So when it comes to people with the secret, I think what happens is that they, every day they sit down and they visualize their goal. And it's, so it's in the back of their subconscious. It's, it's there. They're thinking about it. And so imagine my goal is to, is to write a book. And I'm visualizing every day becoming the next J.K. Rowling. And then I'm walking to work and I see a little flyer. It says, free, um, free workshop for wannabe authors. And I'm like, perfect, sign me up. The next day I'm at my uh, local coffee shop and the barista says, hey, um, I'm going to this uh, writer's workshop. You wanna come with me? I'm like, oh, that's fantastic. The next day I'm talking to my aunt and she says, you know, I know a publishing um, house. Do you wanna, do you want me to like hook you up and you can speak with them? And I'm like, wow, the secret really works. Look at this, it's all being manifested. Now, I don't think it was actually being manifested, but what I think is every day there's so much going on. There's so many things we don't notice. Um, I wish I could remember the exact number, but there's a huge amount of data we take in each second and we filter it out. We, we miss so much. And if you don't believe me, you should watch this uh, video. They, sh they showed in intro site courses where these kids are playing. Um, okay, you want to get you to, okay, don't watch this. 
this is a spoiler alert for the video. So a bunch of kids are throwing a basketball around and then you're supposed to watch this video very carefully. The teacher, like I'm sitting in an intro psych course and the teacher says, okay guys, I want you to watch the video and count how many basketball throws the kids are doing. So the kids are in a circle, they're throwing the basketball. And then after the video is done, the teacher says, okay, how many, how many throws was it? And I, I raise my hand, I say five, and then Caitlin raises her hand, she says six. And then the teacher says, did anyone notice anything strange? And everyone's like, mm, I don't know, maybe that, that one kid was like sniffling? And the teacher's like, no, there was a gorilla, a, well, a person dressed in a gorilla suit that ran right through the middle of the circle while the kids were throwing the ball and they were throwing it in a circle. And everybody's like, what? Uh, that did not happen, are you serious? And so the teacher rewinds the video and she plays it again and she's right, there was a gorilla. So why did, why did nobody see that the first time? You'd think we would notice, right? The thing is, if we're very focused on one thing and we're focused on throwing the basketball or counting how many throws of the basketball around the circle are happening, we miss other things like the gorilla. So the secret, it gets you to really focus on what's important to you. Um, and then you see those opportunities um, because we can't see all opportunities. But if we are really focused on specific ones, we're more likely to see them in our environment. So Warren Buffett's 25 and 5 rule is the same idea. By forgetting about the other 20 things on your list, you're focusing more on the five things and you're filtering for opportunities that will help you achieve those. And really, you shouldn't be focusing on 20 other things, right? If five are the most important, you should be spending all your time on them. And honestly, five is probably still too many. Um, it's best to actually work on as few goals as possible and really focus on them. Uh, there's this one book, one, it's called The One Thing. And the book can be summed up in one sentence, in my opinion. You should focus on one thing at a time. That's the whole book. And you know what? I'm not knocking the book. I think it's fantastic. It takes, I don't know, 200 pages to, to say that message. But the thing is, it really gets that message through to you. And how many books have you read where you just don't even remember what you read a year later? I, I think I'd pro I've probably forgotten what was in 95% of the books I read. But you know what? I remembered what was in The One Thing. The book was called The One Thing. Why? Because the book was only about one thing. And so by only focusing on one thing, the book really drove home that one point to me. And so it's the same with our goals. Uh, you can't get everything accomplished, right? But if you put all your energy into one thing, you're more likely to achieve it. So that's Warren Buffett's 25 and five. You could even make it a 22 and three or 24 and one, you know what I mean? But the, the point is that you focus on less. And that also means that, you know, even if say you have spare time in your schedule, you don't focus on the other 20 things. Like even if say you can't work, work on one of your five goals, you then take that extra time to relax. Um, like it really means you avoid the other 20 things. Um, you, you need that extra time to relax. So I think I'll just leave it there uh, for today. Um, we talked about the Ivy Lee method today, which was you write a list of six things, you work on them in that order. You don't move on until you finish the thing before. Eisenhower matrix, you ask yourself, is an activity urgent and important? We want to focus less on things that are urgent but not important, like email meetings, and more on things that are important but not urgent, like exercising or investing or starting uh, to study in advance. And then we talked about the 25 and 5 rule, which is 
focus on less goals, right? I mean, you don't have to do 25 and five, but the idea, which is focus on less, still stands. So yeah, I hope this was helpful for you guys. I, I personally use the Ivy Lee method uh, myself. I don't do exactly six things, but I, I like the idea of a list and I try and do that and work through it without cheating, even though we all cheat a little bit sometimes. And the 25 and five, I try and follow the spirit of that um, and limit myself to how many goals I work on at once. I have to admit it is really hard. Uh, so maybe that's something we can talk about some other week. Um, I don't know if other people struggle with like limiting themselves to what they work on. Um, I know that I can only get so much done at once, but it's so tempting to try and, you know, change 20 things in your life at once. Um, but then you actually end up changing none of them. And I know it's better to just, you know, focus on one. So yeah, I hope that was helpful. Let me know if you have any questions, feedback, any, you know, thoughts about things that you'd like me to talk about and uh, have a great rest of your week and I'll see you next podcast. Bye-bye.